0: Right. Tough crowd, tough crowd, tough crowd. Okay, well, um, how many have enjoyed last Sunday having me and Bethany uh, do a little introduction? Yeah, it was awesome. As you can see, my better half is not with me this morning, but nevertheless, I am going to carry this ship this morning, and we're going to get right into uh, doing our second installment on relationships. Um, why don't we open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the word this morning. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this group of people. Lord, my desire is that you would put within me words that matter. Um, God, my prayer this morning is that, um, Lord, what I've prepared, and God, what I have prepped for today, Lord, that somehow by your grace, the Holy Spirit would rest upon it and breathe life into it, and God, by that, bring life to these people um, in this area of relationships. Jesus, we ask that you would be greatly glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, we chatted a bit uh, about the difference between the world's definition of love and relationships uh, than that of the Bible's. How many know that there is a massive difference between the two? And, and, and how many know that it's important that we as believers actually understand, and actually know those differences. It's quiet. <laughs> Trust me, it's important. Uh, Romans chapter 12 says this, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is such a need today in the church, for renewed thinking. <laughs> we, we have the tendency, unfortunately, as believers, to neglect God's take on key important issues, such as relationships and love. How many know that God has much to say about these topics? Marshall Siegel says in an article titled, The Joy of Singleness, he writes this, in order to turn from the world in its lies, we need to stop focusing on the world in its deceptive images of pleasure. Yeah. Oh. Let's read that again. In order to turn from the world with its lies, we need to stop. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. We need to stop focusing on the world in its deceptive images of pleasure. Now, I'm announced to you, the world has a take on many things, and in much of its takes on its many things rail against God. They're not in harmony. They're not in sync. They are very much they very much oppose. It's my conviction that where God is not shaping the narrative of truth, all truth in our lives, it's because we really don't view and see God as all sufficient and all satisfying. Or we just flat out Neglect putting our eyes in the book. <laughs> you know, this a little scripture that exists, right? My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. There's much at stake when somebody else is shaping the narrative of truth in our lives, in our ears, and in our mind. There's much at stake. God doesn't have an NPR. He doesn't have Fox News. He doesn't have a social media platform where he can tweet out different thoughts that he has during the day. He has a book and he calls us to put our noses, our eyes in it. To search it out and to know truth. There's a song that I love to sing from time to time. I don't know if I'm the originator of the song. I really don't care. But it Goes something like this, only you can satisfy. Could I I take just a minute, actually, my whole sermon? Can I take this whole time together and address single people? Now, Now, don't check out those who are in the boat of dating and marriage, because there is much that you can take from this morning and apply it to you in your life. But just for a moment, this Sunday, can you just grace or give me the grace to address? single people in the room today. Now, I know the last thing you single people want to hear from is a man who is married, right? I have a ring. I know that surprises some of you, that a man like me could get married. I, it surprised me too. I couldn't believe when Bethany said yes. I was like, whoa, are you serious? I had to like double take. I was like, what? Did you really say that? No. And then, of course, there's the one act of my passion that runs around here from time to time. My little boy, Abram, um, that one night that me and Bethany had where he was the fruit of it, he, he's also a part. So well, the night it worked. But there's a growing number. Listen, listen, it's okay, guys. It's all right. I know, I know you're not used to this kind of church, but hey, just saying. There's a growing number of people amongst us even now And in our culture that are struggling with the feeling that God has no place for them in marriage. Now, if the shoe fits, I just would say wear it. If it doesn't, help a brother out and just agree with me. Shake, nod, and smile. Now, I know that me being married may, in your mind, disqualify me to speak um, to the pain of your circumstances. But maybe just for a change maybe just for a change, it might, I might be able to provide some help by the grace of God, and maybe it would do you good from uh, stop hearing from just other single people, but somebody who actually has been both in dating and in marriage. My mother would say that I actually started dating right out of the womb. And there's, I would almost agree with her. I know that may come as a surprise to some of you, but man, I came out, I was all about, Girls, okay. Sorry, just saying, little disclosure. But right from the womb, my mom would say, "Man, at weddings and such, you would drag girls out on the dance floor." You may have saw, uh, or seen and witnessed my son Abram do that. I think there's some kind of. You can pray for us. We're still waiting for God to break in and save His little heart. But, um, but nevertheless, I, I was a friend of romance. Me and romance, we got along well, very well. Right from middle school on through to high school, I was constantly in the throes of many romantic relationships. And listen, that is not me patting myself on the back. I have many regrets. I have things of which I uh, wish I never did, boundaries of which I never, um, I never wanted to cross, but I crossed. Now, let me, let me just start off by saying this. Listen, just because, I don't, I not for a moment, and I don't want you to hear that I'm saying every single person is unhappy and disgruntled. I don't believe that at all, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to provide some help for maybe those who are. Now, let me also preface that it is okay. Your desire to be loved is a good desire to have. In no way do I want to come across as like, Just telling you to put aside that desire. It's a legitimate desire. But it's not necessarily a desire that we should obsess over, is it? Really, right? So, I may not know much about being single this morning, given my track record. But I do know a lot about being satisfied in Christ. And so, yes, I know. Another Message on being satisfied in Jesus. But I think it's a good message. And I think it might be helpful if we could redirect some of our passions and focuses. So, again, in my attempts, in those relationships that I pursued, in my being single through dating and such, There were many attempts in me trying to grapple and find joy and satisfaction. And take it from me. The opposite actually happened. And as a man who pursued much in the realm of relationships, I can honestly tell you that it never ever touched that deep place of joy and satisfaction in me. I never felt joy and satisfaction in those relationships And it became increasingly clear to me throughout the years uh, from salvation and some time on that they never were going to satisfy me because they were never meant to satisfy me. Yes, folks, what your parents tell you is true. Marriage will not satisfy you fully like Christ can satisfy you fully. Marshall Siegel writes in the same article that I quoted Earlier, He says, one of the greatest hurdles to getting married is our obsession in getting married. We, This is also his quote. We too easily believe the lie that life will never be as good as it could have been if we never get married. Let me read that again because I was... Bleh. One of the greatest hurdles to getting married is our obsession with getting married. We too easily believe the lie that life will never be as good as it could have been if we never get married. How many can amen that? Just, thank you, Marshall. In honesty, the Bible has a great many things to say about marriage. The Bible also has a great many things to say about singleness. But you know mostly what the Bible has a great many things to say about? Being satisfied with God. Come on. Amen, your brother. That was good. Help me out. Marriage does not guarantee our happiness. And all my married people say, Amen. Amen. Do you know that the Bible celebrates singleness over marriage? Wow, it does. I know some of you single people, you're just not reading that scripture, right? You're just not. now you can shout me down. Get behind me, Satan, right? Like, what did he just say? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 7 through 8. Paul says this, I wish that all were as I myself am to be unmarried. And the widows, I say, that is good for them to remain single as I am. So according to Paul, happiness has nothing to do with marriage. In fact, marriage could possibly stand in the way of the only thing that could bring us joy. Now, if you don't believe me, let's read further in verse 32. Paul, same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. Ah, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Wow. So Paul celebrates singleness. I love his take here in First Corinthians chapter 7. I love his honesty. I love that it kind of rails and flies in the face of what is popular and what is mostly said about our happiness. Amen. Paul shows no concern for those who are married. He shows little concern for those who are single. His main concern for us seems to be that we would live undivided burning, devoted hearts to Jesus in singleness and marriage. You can clap. Go ahead. Come on. In Paul's mind, single people have the advantage in this. I think it would be helpful for those who are single and unhappy and as a result of that unhappiness, you treat your being single as a problem or a condition. Just for a moment, consider the unique opportunity that you have this morning to please the Lord. To live undivided in your pursuit, in your devotion to Jesus. I love what Stacey Rouch writes. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. She writes in an article she called, Singleness is not a problem to be solved. Whoa. Let's just pack it up. I'm all done preaching. That will preach itself. That one little quote will preach itself. Singleness is not a problem. It's not a condition. Paul sees it as an advantage. Is there anybody hearing me this morning? Shout out your brother. She, she writes this in an article about singleness. She writes, The Apostle Paul reminds us the married person has dual responsibilities of pleasing both the lord and his spouse but the unmarried person needs only to be concerned about pleasing jesus richly rightly said stacy so in my summary single people you have no none zip nada no excuse but to live heated, fervent, abandoned lives devoted to Jesus. You have the advantage over those who are married to do such. Don't waste your singleness. Don't give up on your desire to be married. God gave you that desire to be loved, but don't obsess over it. Don't obsess over something you don't have yet. Don't obsess over things you can't control and create yourself. If you're going to obsess over something, obsess over Jesus. Make Christ your magnificent obsession. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I'm telling you, listen males, the hottest thing you can do is get Christ on your life. Females, same thing. The, the the hottest, most attractive thing you can do is get Jesus richly dwelling on the inside of you. Oh, you want to be married? Take my advice. It's not anybody that could get Bethany Temple to Bethany Yo to marry them. I get Jesus on the inside of me. Listen. Only you can satisfy is, is... I don't think we honestly understand just how much Jesus wants to fully, completely satisfy us. Even in our struggle to find love and romance, He wants to enter in and fully satisfy us. Listen, it's, it's more than just some kind of bumper sticker, nice little song that we sing from time to time. Jesus can fully satisfy. He should satisfy us more than gold, silver, sex, marriage, and singleness. That's why Jesus can sit at the well with the woman in John chapter 4 who has some very messed up relationships. That's why Jesus can sit there and say, Oh, if you knew the gift of God. If you knew the if you knew who was sitting with you right now, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you a drink. Some of your dissatisfaction and singleness, it's just a matter of perspective and what you're actually calling out to Jesus to satisfy. You see, Jesus much like Paul is not interested in just giving you a spouse. Jesus is mainly interested about fully satisfying you. You guys are making me work hard. Some of you are. Then he goes on. Jesus, in John chapter 4, 13 and 14, he says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. (laughs) We believe that this morning. Do you believe that in the midst of your despair and your unhappiness as a single person, if you could just take a moment and cry out to Jesus, say, "Jesus, satisfy me. I feel lonely. I am, oh, I am in pain over my singleness. God, I need you to give me something much more than marriage. Right now, in this moment, I need to, I need to get, I need to get living water from you, Jesus. Or else you could just spend your time on, you know, online." You know, whatever the matchme.coms are and Christian whatevers, you, you, start, you start pursuing the ultimate matchmaker, Jesus. Say, God, satisfy me. Oh, he will. He's just waiting for the invitation. He's just waiting for the invitation. Everyone who drinks of this water, representing that earthly temporalness of six lovers. Talking about water, he's like, You're you have five husbands, and the one you're with is not your own. I will give you water, water welling up to eternal life. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, Oh, just ask me for a drink. I would give you water that would quench your thirst for love and romance. Stop trying to fill that with emptiness and immorality in the love of six different men. Our souls, our lives were created to hunger and thirst for Jesus. We have the capacity, I said this last Sunday, to love and to be loved. I think that's extraordinary. But where we look for satisfaction or what we look to to be satisfied makes all the difference in actually living a life completely satisfied. Jesus, my friend, has the ability to fully satisfy us up until the very end of our lives. With his living water, it's available. And all he says to do, ask What's your prayer this morning, single guy, single male, female? Is it Jesus, give me a spouse, or Jesus, give me the, the water, the living water of your spirit, your spirit that is better than wine, that is better than love, that is better than romance. It is. It is. Marriage does not come with any guaranteed of satisfaction, nor does singleness, but Jesus can and does. He wants to, single people, hear me, cry out to God for your heart to be fully satisfied in Him. He will bring the right person, not just any person, not just many persons, but the person. Jesus, I thank you for truth this morning. And God, sometimes we don't like the truth. Sometimes we don't like that the Bible actually celebrates singleness and talks about the advantage that we have in singleness. But God, nevertheless, it is truth. It is truth. And so God, work that truth in us. God, anywhere that I've, I came across insensitive, Father, I pray that you would forgive me, God. And I ask, Lord, that only the words that matter would stick. And that you would do something great in the heart's of those who are pained. That their eyes, that their perspective, that their calling out and crying out to God would be redirected and be met with a God who is all-sufficient, all-satisfying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's all I have today, church. I'd like to point